Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to a brand new episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. I'm Robert Shea. He's back again. He is back in again. We can't get enough. And he is Martin O'Malley. He is the former mayor of Baltimore, former governor of Maryland, former uh, candidate for the Democratic presidential nomination, and author of Smarter Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information Age. Welcome back, Governor. Thank it's great you. to see you again. It's great to be back. Thanks for and having me. as for the, uh, the credential of being governor, that's what we're going to focus on on the program today. We're going to talk what about... What possessed you? <laughs> what were <laughs> you thinking? To go from mayor of Baltimore to governor of Maryland. Well, it worked out for me because I lived in Montgomery County, so... Him being mayor of Baltimore had only a tangential effect on my life. Then he became governor. Tell him to show you your house. Show me my house. <laughs> right. I was actually born in Montgomery County. I knew that. Yeah, Montgomery County people did. We we managed to keep that a secret when I ran <laughs> for mayor of Baltimore. didn't tell anybody in Baltimore, which uh, was a wise choice. Uh, my, my father, who was alive when I was elected mayor of Baltimore, we, we laughed when the Washington Post greeted that come-from-nowhere victory with the headline, White Man Wins, Mayor of Baltimore. And my father said, that's not the remarkable thing. The remarkable thing is anybody from Baltimore would vote for a guy from Montgomery County. Right. <laughs> yeah, you kept that a good secret. What was the thinking when you won the race, you became the governor of Maryland? What did you take from Baltimore regarding all the stuff we talked about on last week's program about city stat to Annapolis? What did you keep the same, and what did you have to change because you were scaling it to statewide level? Yeah, a uh, great question, uh, a question that people in state government ask frequently. And I think it's, the couple of things that changed were, were these. Um, it became far more important to declare strategic goals with deadlines. Um, and what I mean by that is that you know when when every city has it has internationally every city has the same mission statement. We want to make our city cleaner, safer, healthier, better place for kids to grow up, and better place for businesses to expand. If I could speak other languages, I could give you that in other <laughs> languages, and I trust me, it would be the same in their cities. Uh, I've met with mayors of Kabul and San Salvador, and it's all the same mission statement. However, at the state level, and depending on when one is elected governor. Issues somewhat change. The things that people care most about in one state is different from what people care about in another state when it comes to the things they expect from their state government. So it took us about a year, Francis, really to tease out in a collaborative way uh, just 16 strategic goals. Now, as I say that, I I start to laugh a little bit because all of the great management gurus say your wildly important goals, you know, you shouldn't have more than three or four. Well, we had 16. Sue me. I ran. I got elected so I could have 16 goals. They they broke down. I love that attitude, by the way. That's That's pretty great. I'm the governor. Yeah. (laughs) People sue me every day. Screw you if you don't like it. I'm the governor. So our goals broke down into four categories. Uh, skills of our people, security, including homeland security, safety, uh, sustainability, the land, the air, the water, you know, so under that was the energy and climate in Chesapeake Bay. And the fourth one was health. 
those were the four major buckets. And when the recession hit, we were all reminded that strategic goal number one must always be job creation. Because if people don't have jobs, nothing much works anyplace. Uh, we're the only species on the planet without full, un- without full employment, as Paul Hawkins said. So we, th- having those strategic goals teased out and being very clear about them was one shift. The second shift we made there was this. The uh, delivery of public goods at the state level is a much more uh, attenuated chain of delivery. For example, if one is filling a pothole, if the mission is to fill the potholes, somebody calls. That's number one. You dispatch a crew. Number two, crew finds the pothole and fills it. Number three, one, two, three, you're done. There's not a one, two, three to improving third grade reading and math scores for little boys and girls across a lot of diverse counties and jurisdictions all over Maryland. And there are a lot more people involved than just dispatching the pothole crew. Mm-hmm. It's the kid. It's the teacher. It's the parent. If they have a parent, might be the foster parent, might be the grandparent. It's the principal. Or if it's a really big school, it might be the vice principal that's the instructional leader, then the principal, then the school superintendent. A large jurisdiction, it might be the assistant superintendent for that region before you get to the superintendent. So I've just ticked off there, for those of you watching at home, eight <laughs> fingers. Hold the fingers up to the microphone. And and I'm not done in this chain of delivery because then you have the school boards and then you have the state school board and then you have the state superintendent of schools and then you have the legislature. And especially as we were wrestling during my time as mayor uh, with the with the issue of equity in school funding, poor jurisdictions couldn't pay their teachers. Uh, 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 like wealthier jurisdictions could, and the the impact was disparate. So you're talking a lot of different people in that chain of delivery, all of whom have to collaborate at different junctures, whether it's improving the instructional, you know, common core curriculum for the kids in third grade, which is a whole other debate, uh, whether it's uh, teacher retention or teacher pensions, whether it's in poorer areas, the health and nutrition of the kids, you know, that aspect of the learning environment, the health of our kids, or the buildings in poorer jurisdictions, more dilapidated. Uh, So that's my long explanation of saying that the second innovation we needed was we borrowed from Michael Barber, who was the head of the delivery unit under Tony Blair in England, this notion of delivery, of having a plan written out that clearly delineated who was responsible for which piece of that long chain of delivery uh, as we pursued the goal, and in this case, education, of improving college and career readiness by 25% by a date certain. I believe it was uh, 2015 uh, was the date certain we put on it. So in the interest of time, I'm going to propose, because there's something in here that's really valuable. And I think I hope all of it's valuable. Well, it's okay, the best-selling book that Esri ever put out, Smarter Government. Get it now on Amazon. Smarter and, Government, How to Govern for Results in the Information And make sure you review it with at least five lines, because otherwise the algorithm God doesn't care. So, so you put in here, you note that the U.S. Conference of Mayors and the National Governors Association asked you to kind of give them a step-by-step thing. And there's ten steps here. I think it would be useful to go through the ten steps on page 153 and have you talk about how you applied them at the state level or developed them? And, Robert, then your experience, because you did all this same stuff in the federal government, too. Right. I have my cheat sheet there. Oh. Okay, there we go. It's okay. a beautiful book, by the way, that I'm being handed by Commissioner Shea. Oh. 
heaven's sake. Yeah, these are 10 steps. No, episodes. I don't have so a We're going to need eight episodes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, 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 so the first one is prioritizing the order of agencies to be rolled into the stat process. And you talked about that a little bit when we talked about Baltimore last week, about how you started up Baltimore. Um, you know, you started with one and, and scaled it up to 10. Did you have to do the same thing at the state level? Yeah, we did the same, the exact same thing at the state level. In fact, in the book, I have those uh, th- those ramp-ups in a graphic okay. format there. Yeah, th- what I advise mayors or governors that want to do this, I encourage them, just start with four uh, that are really, really important to you, four departments. Uh, you can even make it, you know, uh, initiative uh, uh, focused if you if you prefer but the the key is to uh, the key is to I, mean, I found it was helpful to have two of the high performing agencies uh-huh. and two of the really troubled agencies and I tried to pair up the the ones that were were struggling to be on deck while somebody that was a high performer and had a good leader and was clicking and embracing this openness and transparency thing so they could learn from their example. We didn't, we didn't do that at the federal level. The, um, and, and the governor talks in the book about the tests of, or the, the attempts to apply some of these principles at the federal level, but that weren't, didn't quite take hold. Mm -hmm. And that, these are good lessons from that perspective. The second one is one that I don't remember when I was covering this stuff, uh, when you were implementing this at OMB, announced the date of the first meeting to give everyone a hard deadline against which they must work. Did you do that? Well, we had quarterly meetings, okay. so they they did have a date certain. They were, and they knew the dates on which the meetings would, would begin. Okay. So. Yeah, let me tease this one out a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the reason I put that as number two is your staff will always want to encourage their executive to wait until all of the data is together. Yeah. Uh, hey, boss, you know, we don't have all of the data for that stuff. We probably should wait and w- until we really have our data nailed down. Your data will never be entirely mm-hmm. nailed down. It's an incredible lesson, right? The, 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 you probably didn't have a single meeting where everything was locked down, and and that's the whole purpose of improving is the right. finding out where the gaps are and holding people accountable for filling them. Yeah, right. start and don't stop. I saw the mayor of Wilmington do this. He just told his staff he had seen Comstat uh, at work in his own city, and he said, I want to do this for my whole city. He picked a date, March 1st. That's going to be our first meeting, and that was back you know, before Christmas. And so the staff had to, hey, come hell or high water, that's launch date. We're going. Get it as good as you can, and we'll get it better two weeks later at the next meeting. All right, we're going to pause it there because there's a lot more to cover, and we're almost running out of time. But before we started recording today, Governor, you had a joke that you said, if we have time, you want to tell it, and we have time, so we want you to tell it. After I was demoted from mayor and was elected governor, one of my, uh, my I would sometimes... You asked for it. I, I know I did, and I was honored. Uh, but I would sometimes go to the U.S. Conference of Mayors, and one of the one of the crowd pleasers with the mayors there was the story it's actually a maryland story uh from the eastern shore you know eastern shore is a great place for goose and duck hunting and the stories told about this amazing chesapeake bay retriever came up as a little puppy and this 
kennel over there and was a, a, a hunting dog from a whole line of hunting dogs. And soon that dog had barely become fully grown when its fame spread. And all these hunters wanted to rent for the weekend for their hunting trip this dog called Mare. Mare was fast. Mare was energetic. Mare would be underneath the geese and the ducks before they even hit the water. He was quiet. He was hardworking. He was obedient. He got the job done. And soon, neither love nor money could rent Mare. The line was so big. Mare was drawing top dollar for the kennel. So these guys who had the good fortune of having Mare when he was on the, the upswing on their annual trip said, I don't suppose anybody's canceled and we might be able to get that famous hunting dog mare and the owner of the kennel said yeah you can have that dog all weekend five dollars the guy says what the hell happened he said some jerk called him governor and he's been doing nothing but barking and sitting on his ass ever since (laughs) (laughs) all right governor martin o'malley author of smarter government how to govern for results in the information age thank you very much for joining us again uh, this week you'll be on again next week we'll finish that list and robert as always great to see you my friend Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.